Some people fall under attack from spiritual forces, while others do not. There are claims from around the world, from all cultures, religions, and races, discussing the things that go bump in the night. The jinn, imps, demons, or the boogeyman. Those are just some of the titles given to these unwanted visitors. But what are they? And how can we protect ourselves from them? Today, we explore this topic, The Boogeyman, with my guests, real-life experiencer and author M.G. Stevens, and later, we'll speak with celebrity occultist and eclectic witch Kat Eckhart. Shane Pittman returns for a little revenge on me, folks. He's going to send me to the movies, and we have listener scare shares from the macabre mailbag coming up. All that and more right here on The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. I'm not gonna stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Sounds like a lot of supernatural baloney to me. Supernatural. Perhaps. Baloney. Perhaps not. Hello, my little darklings, and welcome back to the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. I'm your host. And listen, a few weeks ago, we had Jeff Belanger on the show, and we were doing a movie review of a film called Night of the Lepus. And in a very strange twist of fate, real life imitating art, imitating real life imitating art. Well, you get the idea. Something very strange has happened, and maybe the joke is really on Jeff and I, because maybe something terrifying or perhaps terrifying actually is happening around the world. This is straight from the headline news, folks. I can't make this stuff up. The Pentagon is one of the most secure locations on Earth. Even just to tour the building, you have to make a reservation at least 14 days in advance. Then you have to arrive at least an hour in advance to get through all of the security. And the tour itself is led by active duty military personnel who never leave your side. But Arlington Now News is reporting that somehow yesterday, this bunny infiltrated the Pentagon. The rabbit somehow got all the way to the courtyard at the very center of the building, which is a crazy feat. Pentagon is the largest low-rise office building in the world, so it's not exactly like the bunny could just hop over the side of the building. And even those super secure tours that usually run through the Pentagon, those have been shut down because of COVID. So it is not like someone snuck the bunny in the building. Two weeks ago, a chicken was caught sneaking around the security checkpoint area of the Pentagon. Now, the chicken didn't get nearly as far as the bunny. At the moment, we do not know if it was planning a coup or why it crossed the road. The chicken was apparently winging it. As for how exactly the bunny hopped over the largest low-rise office building in the world into its center courtyard, the prevailing theory is that it was dropped by a hawk. At present, there is no reason to believe this is <clears throat> foul play. But we will, of course, follow this story down whatever rabbit hole it may lead. Uh must have been a slow news day. <laughs> I absolutely love that the night of the Lepus may be coming true. Mutant rabbits have found their way into the Pentagon and rogue chickens. Rabbits and chickens, folks. You had to worry about Planet of the Apes and zombie apocalypse? No, it's bunnies and chickens. It's always the things you never think you have to worry about. Our first guest is M.G. Stevens, a neurodivergent medium empath based right here in the United States. She has over 40 years of paranormal encounters, and she writes about her experiences in terrifying detail in the book, The Boogeyman Chronicles. We have this book. You can find it by going to Paranormal60.com. That's Paranormal60.com. And then make sure that you click on the store tab. You can go in and find our paranormal books, and you will find the book prominently featured right there. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome to the Paranormal 60, M.G. Stevens. MG, are you there? Oh, strange things abound. We've been having weird uh, little instances since we connected tonight, uh, talking about trying to come forward. Uh, MG, are you with me? There you yeah, are. Yeah, I'm here. 
Well, see, we start talking about dark things and all of a sudden your video's breaking up. I had great clear video with you prior to this. Things are getting janky and weird over uh, here, MG. Yeah, I, I don't know. That is crazy. Yeah, you're it's breaking up. You're like the the visual, the image, everything is freezing up on us. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you and see you right now, but it, okay. occasionally you you do go out, so very strange. Well, let's get to it. Uh, first of all, I need to know, you use the term neurodivergent medium, and that's new to me. What is a neurodivergent medium empath? Well, I mean, I'm a medium empath. You know, I grew up sensitive, um, but a, a neurodivergent is someone who is autistic, has ADHD, dyspraxia, um, epilepsy. Um, we're just wired differently. And um, I'm actually working on a book um, because there is a very strong correlation between neurodivergence and not all but neurodivergence and esp and the paranormal so wow that's interesting. that's fascinating i know michael and marty perry the mediums uh, helped co-author a book a few years ago about autism and the supernatural um really? okay yeah interesting stuff but I'd, I'd love to hear more on your take now when you say that you've had over 40 years of experiences with the supernatural i mean are we talking about Casper the friendly ghost moving your keys, knocking on walls and windows to get your attention or or are some of these experiences much more threatening? Uh, much more threatening. I had mostly malicious activity when I was growing ever since I was a little kid, but I've had stuff that on my own that I just I just couldn't explain. So um, yeah, I had a, a, an experience two uh, two experiences that I, I actually kind of they were kind of out of body and I wasn't dead, I wasn't sleeping, it wasn't astral projecting, nothing like that but I, let, uh, let me I, ask you, though, before we get into that, you said yeah. that this started malicious uh, spirits started from a very early age. I mean, was this a slow build or did they just come right out of the chute, kind of aggressive and malevolent towards you? Well, because I was a medium and I was sensitive, I think I was just I had a red I had like a, a sign on me that no matter where I went, I, I would feel everything. I could feel good and bad. And if I went to a place where there was something malevolent, it saw me and was like, I'm going to pick on that kid. <laughs> so that's pretty much what happened. Wow. Do you, now, have you spoken to other people that are neurodivergent, autistic, Asperger's, ADHD, that are having similar situations where things are being drawn to them or attached to them? Yeah, I've, I've talked to quite a few neurodivergent people and just said, what is your experience like? And some people have, and some neurodivergents don't have any paranormal experiences, none, nothing. Um, but a lot of people have these um, dreams. You know, one, one of my friends uh, is autistic with ADHD and she knew uh, Princess Diana was going to die in a car crash the night before. Um, she had a dream about it. Um, some people just have constant um, activity or, or just very sensitive. Some people, something, something as, as interesting as like guessing the, the gender of a baby before it's born, they can kind of do that. They always just, they're like, I don't know why, I just know. And um, I also talked to Kathleen Martin, and this is an interesting sure. thing too, um, as we know, she's the, the niece of Betty and Barney Hill. She's an author researcher. She's an amazing lady. And I, she worked with MUFON and I just said, she was on my show and I, I, I asked her, she was, uh, you know, kind of telling me about different percentages. Like so many people, uh, experience, you know, experience UFO activity are, uh, of this descent or male or blah, 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 you know, whatever. And I said, I got to ask you a question. I said, how, how, what's the percentage of neurodivergent people who are experiencing abductions or just, you know, experiencing the UFO phenomena? And she said, Oh, it's a good 86%. Wow, really? That high? Yeah, yeah. that's a huge well, number. So there's now, something to it. With that said, though, uh, MG, I, you know, I've heard that basically all of us <laughs> are somewhere landing on the spectrum now. They they used to it was a very narrow band, but now it seems like we're all at some level on that uh, autism spectrum. Um, so do you think that's what's causing this? Now they've they've referred to this as indigo children, crystalline children. Um, do you believe that that's a fancied name for children with special needs or is this you know i'm trying to make my child feel more you know and i don't mean to sound like i'm degrading but is it i just wonder how much of this is real compared to you know just a, a sugar coat to to try to make kids feel better about their situation but it sounds like it's very real to you yeah to me i you know everybody has their own way of getting to this sort of thing 
And for me, it's more science-based. It's more, uh, to me, I think it's more electrical. Our brains function on electrical current, you know, our heart does. And I think the way neurodivergence seem to be very like extra sensitive is because we're just sensitive um, anyway. You know, we're, we're, we're hypersensitive or hypervigilant a lot of times. Um, uh, we have auto like um, auditory processing issues. We have sen sensory processing issues. You know, sometimes things are too bright. Lights are too bright. Um, you know, noises, you know, certain right. noises are, are too much. And um, so I think that's part of it. As far as indigo children, I'm not really I don't really know much about that. And so to me, it's like I think this is the issue that that neurodivergents are wired to be extra sensitive. And we do tend to, you know, um, pick up on things. And I think mm -hmm. people will give it a name. They'll say, oh, it's indigo children. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. But it, we're, we're all arriving at the same place. Gotcha. We just we just have different names for it. All right. Well, let's let's dive in now. You, you your book is called, and I'll put it up again for people to uh, to see. The book is called The Boogeyman Chronicles. And are we dealing with one entity, or is this a myriad of issues that all kind of fall underneath that category of the boogeyman? Things that scare the hell out of kids, scare the hell out of us. How exactly are you defining this? Well, um, when I was growing up, my dad, anytime there was like a knock at the door and nobody was there or there was some kind of weird thing, my dad would go, oh, the boogeyman, the boogeyman's here, you know? So to me, the boogeyman means something different to everybody. Some people had constant, you know, I've, I've talked to so many people and, you know, some people have constant shadow person encounters and to, 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 to another person, the, the boogeyman is uh, UFO abductions, you know, alien abductions. So, you know, the boogeyman is, is different things to different people. And it just kind of, for me, it, it, it encompasses a lot. And, and I, I kind of figure that for other people as well. See, the boogeyman always sounded quaint to me because where I grew up, my dad always threatened me with the blood beast. The blood beast <laughs> that lived under the stairs. So if I messed around, I was going to get locked in the basement with the blood beast. Uh, oh, dear God. Yeah. Is he paying for your therapy now? Or no, no, he just pulled the pin on that grenade and walked away. So it's been funny <laughs> uh, watching that. But, you know, being a dad of, of so many children, I've kind of played versions of that to them when I don't want them going downstairs. One kid was terrified of zombies. The other terrified of alligators. So I just would tell them the alligators are down there. They only come out at night. You better not go down in that room. And that would bring them up. But the boogeyman becomes this kind of innocuous subject, right? Just the things mm -hmm. that, that terrify us. But do you believe that there's one being behind what's happening to you? Or are you, are you the flame and the moths of the supernatural are coming to you? Yeah. Yeah. The flame, the flame for sure. Yeah. Okay. No. Um, I think when you're just sensitive and I've talked to other people and some people have that, 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 that weird encounter, you know, they lived, they lived in that weird house and they had encounters when they were a kid. And some people have a lifetime of, uh, of, of encounters like I did. It, it's so hard to, you know, explain, but it's like wherever I went, I could pick up, I, I could see dead people, you know what I mean? I could walk into a house and there would be like, you know, a few dead people, I'd be like, oh, wow, you've got some stuff in your house. And then there's other times when I would be in, you know, somewhere else. And what, it, like I said, if it was malevolent and it thought it could pick on me, it did. Now, I'm, I, I, this isn't to throw you under the bus or make you uncomfortable. You know, I've heard people tell me, oh, I've had the most terrifying experience. And then they tell me something and it seems very benign. And I'm like, boy, that's that's a little overhyped, but I understand we all have different levels of security and comfort. When you say that these things were malicious and malevolent, could you tell me one of the the stories that really impacted you, one of those experiences? Um, I had quite a few, but the, the top five, one of the top five for me was when I was about eight years old. And I lived, I, I just moved from my mother's, my mother had custody. I mean, I moved from my mother's to my dad and my, you know, first stepmom. My dad's been married six times. So this was my first stepmother. So yeah. So I, I moved to her condo, apartment condo, whatever you want to call it. And it was, I mean, I, I started going there at two years old. So whatever was there and sharing walls is never a good thing for me because things can go through the walls, you know, but, um, but the, the apartment complex was just creepy. There was something in the bottom complex. It, it, you could just tell that something was there and it just did not watch you there. But I started staying there at two years old 
And every single night I was tormented. Something would whisper in my ear. I could feel the breath on my face. I would wake up and, you know, and um, something would lay on the side of the, you know, lay on the, lay in the bed with you. Um, Something would kick the bed, hit the bed, um, ripping the covers off in the middle of the night. Uh, Weird sounds, disembodied sounds. I remember one night I moved in because my mom, uh, you know, had to move and I, I had to go live with my dad. And so I was about eight years old. And I remember something thoroughly spooked me to the point where I was like, I'm not staying in this room. So I moved to the living room stupidly. I mean, my eight year old brain was like, oh, I'll be safer here in the next room. No, um, <laughs> stupidly. But anyway, my my parents room bedroom was right like there from the couch. You know, it was right right there. So I thought if anything happens, I could just run in there. And so something really spooked me. I went and laid on the couch and I thought, I, you know, I looked at the VCR, so that, that'll date me. Um, but uh, I looked at the VCR and it said like 5, 5.30 a.m. And I thought, okay, I can maybe get a few hours of sleep um, and I'll hear their alarm. Because I would get in trouble by, by sleep, you know, bothering them or, you know, sleeping on a couch. So mm-hmm. um, it was just terrifying. I remember just being like, okay, I'll just get a few hours of sleep and then I'll hear their alarm and then I'll run back. So I was scared on a lot of levels, but I was laying there on the couch. I no sooner dozed off when all of a sudden I'm a, I, I wake up and something impish. That's the best way I can describe it. Something impish was on me. I felt a hand over my eyes, hand over my nose and mouth. I could not scream. I could not breathe. And it was on top of me and it was holding my, my arms down. So my arms were plastered. So I'm like this, and this thing is on top of me hissing in my face. It's, you know, just hissing. And I remember I couldn't see out this way, but I could see below the hand and I'm expecting to see a body and I don't see any body. I don't see anything, but I can feel the weight. And this thing is hissing in my face and I'm trying to breathe and scream and I'm losing air. I mean, I'm, I'm gasping, losing air under a sizzler like this and I can't breathe hmm. something. It, it felt like an eternity, of course. So this thing is hissing in my face. I don't know what the hell's going on. We didn't have a cat, you know, we didn't have a dog. So, you know, no one else was in, in the apartment, but me and my parents and they were sleeping. So I remember, I don't know how, or what I don't know who what this voice was, but I heard something say, "Grab it by its arms and throw it down." Does it have arms? I don't even you know what I mean. But I remember I, I instinctively just kind of reached up, and when I did, I could feel little spindly arms in my hands. And I'm a little kid, you know, so this thing right. has to be tiny. So I remember I reached up and I could feel it. And I went, "Oh my god, I can feel this thing's arms!" And I remember I threw it down and I jumped up and I looked, and this thing is hissing and snarling as it runs off I now guess. you could see it as it ran off or you just heard the heard it yeah no i could hear you know and i'm just like oh my god what the heck you know and, and i just i mean i i was i looked i looked everywhere for that thing you know i just i got up gasping for air what was that and i'm looking everywhere thinking is it going to come back you know and i did not get any sleep that night i i pretty much sat on the, the couch i was scared to go into my parents room because i knew i was going to get yelled at how am I going to explain this? You know? So I, I remember just sitting there on the couch, kind of hugging my knees going like, what the hell was that? And scared to death and just looking all around, you know, for mm-hmm. hours until I had to get up, go to school. Terrifying. Uh, God, now that that's as a child. Now, sometimes our mind can play <laughs> tricks on us where we have these weird experiences, perhaps a waking nightmare. And I'm not being dismissive, but just throwing it out there for the skeptics listening. Perhaps that's a, a child's imagination gone wild and, and mistaking a nightmare for a real incident. Mm-hmm. But this continued on throughout your life. What was another one of those moments where you knew there was something there that took you out of childhood and perhaps into teen years or as an adult? Um, I had a UFO encounter. That was when I was about 18. Um, I also recently had an encounter about six years ago. Um, I live in Los Angeles now and I have my own apartment kind of near Burbank, if people know where that is. And so I was just, you know, minding my own business. I'd moved into an apartment and it was actually, um, very, you know, cause every psychic medium empath will, when they go like look for a house or an apartment, they'll, they'll do that one walkthrough where like right. the, the, the landlord walks through, through like the first time. Okay. This is the bedroom, bathroom, blah, blah, blah. 
well, we always look for demons <laughs> or something, you know, bad. So I did a walk through. I was like, I just want to walk through just for a second by myself. Is that okay? She's like, yeah, fine. And I was like, and I walked around and I'm like, my antenna's up and I'm, you know, kind of trying to see if I could see something or feel something. And I, I didn't feel anything really, you know, maybe a little residual stuff, but nothing mm -hmm. really terrifying, no demons, you know? So I was like, okay, this is good. I can, I can live here. And I was a little reticent about sharing balls again, you know, that's always not a good thing for a medium, but, um, but I was like, well, what else am I going to do? You know, it's Los Angeles. So I ended up moving in. I was there about two, two and a half years without any incident. I slept fine. The, you know, everything was okay. Then all of a sudden the, the, the neighbors across the way, this is the only thing that I can really explain because everything was fine until this point, the neighbors across the way, I had a really lovely family that lived across the way and they were so sweet. They argued a lot, but they were very nice to me and they were very sweet. They had, but they had good energy, you know? And so they moved out, another family moved in and I immediately just like, did not like these people. They were mean to their kid. They were mean to their dog. They were just weird. And I didn't like their energy. I was like, something's wrong here. As soon as they moved in, I'm not kidding you. I started to feel like someone was in my apartment and it felt weird. It was just like, okay, someone's been in my apartment because I had three dogs and I would walk my dogs and I would come back and it felt like for all the world, like someone had been in my apartment. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And it just felt like my apartment wasn't mine anymore. Like something moved in. And then over the next few weeks and months, things kind of escalated. I started seeing little fleety shadows and I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm just, I'm just imagining this, you know? So I, I didn't want to think about it and, and I tried to push it away. And then all of a sudden I'm laying there in my room watching TV and I keep see, I keep seeing and feeling something in the corner. There's a particular corner of my, my room that I kept right. feeling like something. I was like, what is there something there? There's something there watching me. And I had a little deaf dog. His name is Winston. And he kept looking at that corner because I kept saying, no, 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 nothing's there. And he kept looking at that corner and just kind of just, you know, tilting his head and looking at it. And I'm like, Shit, he sees, you see something, you know, something's there. And I'm like, God dang it. You know, I was so mad. I was like, why me? You know? And, um, but anyway, you know, I, one night was playing with Winston. I was, I had him on my lap. No TV was on, just one light. And then all of a sudden I look, I just happen to look up. And I see like this wispy, misty, kind of smoky vapor. It just kind of like came together in this sort of shadow. It was, it felt like it was, I was looking at like a part of it, but I saw about this much of it. It just kind of came together in a shadow and I saw it glide across the floor for about four feet and then it, and then it just went away. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, and, and it was just, it, that was another confirmation. So I grabbed the dogs, leashed them, went for like the longest walk of my life. And it was like, what the heck, you know? So I went upstairs and I, I threw holy water everywhere. And I, you know, said a prayer and I, you know, told them like, you don't belong here. You, this is my apartment. You get out and things would calm down for a bit. And then things would escalate again. Um, and finally I got fed up and I was like, okay, fine. I'm a medium. I can see these things. I'm going to sit here and talk to this thing and find out what the hell it wants. And so I sat there at the end of my bed and I looked at this corner that this thing was at and I said, who are you? What do you want? What are you doing here? And it felt very much like a woman who was attached to the, the woman that moved in across the way. Hmm. She was like an aunt or something. And this had a very old energy, like it was from the 1930s or 40s. This particular spirit felt like a woman that had been mentally disabled. She had been put in a, you know, an asylum because that's what they did back then. If you were right. not normal, you were put away. And that's what it felt like. And I remember, um, you know, getting this distinct impression. She looked like the girl from the ring and I don't watch horror movies. I have never seen that movie, but I live in Los Angeles and I thought, Oh, I probably saw a billboard or something. So the hair was in the face and there was a hospital gown and I'm just like, okay, maybe I'm nuts. And so I kind of excused that. A few weeks later, a friend of mine came over, his name was Joe and he was kind of transient and he needed to, uh, you know, he just needed to crash on the couch for a bit. And I said, yeah, yeah, no, no problem, crash on the couch. So I picked him up, brought him um, back to my place and he was falling asleep on the couch. And I was just like, okay, I'm gonna go to bed. Let me know if you need anything, raid the fridge, go to the bathroom, What you know, everything is, you know, my, my house is your house, you know? So I remember I no sooner got in my room, shut the door, 
pulled the covers up to my chin when I heard Marie, 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 just screaming, blood curling, screaming coming from Joe in the living room. So I'm tripping over dogs and everything and I'm running out there and I said, what, what happened? What happened? And he's sitting on the edge of the couch, grasping his, you know, throat, gasping for air. And I said, what happened? And he says, uh, you know, to, to speed the story along, he said, uh, when you left, as soon as you left, the, the energy of the room changed. And he said, I opened my eyes and I saw, he, was, he, he said this and I didn't tell nobody I saw this, but he said, you know, the girl from the ring. And I said, yeah, he goes, yeah, that's what I saw. And I'm like, oh. Wow. So he saw that and he felt immediately like this presence was protecting me or something like wanted to know why he was there. And so he said, I'm not here to hurt Marie. And immediately he felt hands around his throat and he felt, um, you know, the air being sucked out of his lungs and he just, wow. you know, he couldn't breathe and he was being attacked. And as soon as he screamed my name, he said she flew out the window. So, yeah. Unbelievable. Now, you you talk about all these cases in your book, all these experiences through your 40 plus years, The Boogeyman Chronicles by M.G. Stevens. We do have, again, that book is available in our shop. Just go to paranormal60.com, click on the store tab into our Amazon shop and into the paranormal books. You'll find it there. Uh, spooky stuff, M.G. I know we're going to talk off air about maybe helping you find a way to rid some of this but would you come back and and talk to me about that if if we're able to make that happen absolutely yeah there right. is there is i think a spiritual attachment of of some kind with some of the entities so yeah definitely would be you know more than more than uh, happy to come back give you an update all right well thank you very much mg stevens our guest and mg stories are not just beholden to her People around the world have strange experiences with the supernatural. We're going to dip into the old mailbag of the macabre here for a scare share. And uh, tonight we've got two, two that I wanted to share. One is a very short story. One is a little longer, but uh, MG might feel some connection to both of these tales. Let's go in. I will try to queue up. So I've got the uh, photo to share with you. As with everything else, there are two sides to every coin. I knew that the spiritual realm itself had two of these sides, good versus evil. Other than mask, I hadn't ever come face to face with pure, unadulterated evil before. That all changed one night when I was in bed. I hadn't fallen asleep yet, but my eyes were closed somewhat. Suddenly, I felt like I couldn't breathe. Something was in the room with me. My eyes popped open wide as I struggled for breath, and that's when I saw it. The thing was darker than the darkest corner of my room. It obscured the glow in the dark stars and planets on my bedroom ceiling. It stood at least seven feet tall, and it was pressing down on my chest like a bull. I couldn't move an inch. I was absolutely petrified. As it moved its head closer to my face... I could hear its voice. A dark, evil laugh filled my head. <laughs> it was a low, guttural laugh that sounded like a mixture of the lowest baritone imaginable and the low groan of crunching metal. It was featureless, except for the fact that it appeared to have horns sticking out of the top of its head. It had a human-like shape, but other than that, it was the blackest form I'd ever seen. And just like that, as I thought I was going to be crushed, it vanished, and I was able to move and breathe again. I blinked a few times and then slowly got out of bed. Looking around the room, I opened the door of the bedroom and looked around. Everyone was sleeping soundly and peacefully. No one had the slightest idea the absolute terror that I had just gone through. I sighed and retreated back into my room, and after getting into bed and hiding under the covers... I fell asleep out of pure exhaustion. What was that? I knew all about shadow people and demons, but why was this here? What did it want from me? And how had it found me in the first place? I had no idea if that was the last time it would visit, and I was hoping that it was. Unfortunately, it came back a few nights later. The feeling was the same. I awoke to the crushing feeling on my body and was unable to move at all. It was completely on top of me. 
Only this time, when it put its head next to mine, I heard the following words ground out like shredded glass in my head. When I'm done with you, I'll go after your mother. Then it laughed that grotesque noise again, but it had made a huge, epic miscalculation. I had no strength and was pinned beneath it both times. When the thing threatened my mother, something inside of me broke. I found unnatural strength and pushed myself off the bed to sit up, essentially moving the demon off against its will. I looked at it in the dark as it stood to its fullest height and told it off in a very colorful language. I clicked on the light and it was no longer visible to the human eye, but was still very present as the air hung heavily in the room. I could hear it breathing in my head. It was obvious it was very angry, but not half as pissed off as I was at that moment. You disgusting, vile demon bastard. You'll never touch my mother. You hear me? I don't care if you are invisible. If you ever come into this house again, I swear I'll kick your ass back to whichever hell you came from any way I can. I'm a child of God. I am more powerful than you think, and you will never harm me or my family. Now get out of my house. You're banished from here, never to return. Leave now. I mouthed those words, and I felt it retreating. And I felt myself growing stronger until I had gotten out of bed completely, and it shrank away from me before disappearing completely. I then walked to my mom's bedroom and put an ear to the door to make sure she was all right. Slow, deep, and sound breathing was heard inside. Satisfied, I returned to bed and turned off the light. I fell asleep that night feeling as if I had fought an immense battle. It was my first head-on confrontation with the forces of pure evil. But sadly, it was not my last. And that comes from Olga. Olga, thank you very much for sharing your story with me. And remember, folks, if you have a story or a question that you'd like featured on the show, you can email me, dave at paranormal60.com. That's dave at paranormal60.com. And we may share one of your stories or your questions on an upcoming episode. Here's the next story that was sent to me. So my first paranormal experience was when I was very young, just turning five. Both my brother and I got settled into bed. He was on the bottom bunk. I was on the top. The door was closed and lights were off, but just enough light came in through the window that you could still see a bit in our room. Suddenly, our closet door slowly opened. Now, in order to open it, you would actually have to turn the handle from the outside or the inside. My brother got up slowly, moved to close the door, which was like seven feet away from the end of the bed, when a black figure crawled out from the closet on all fours and grabbed him by the arm. Naturally, we both freaked out and started screaming. My mom came and opened our door and turned the light on. The figure that grabbed my brother was gone, but he had a deep red welt that looked like a handprint on his left arm, midway between the wrist and the elbow. Both me and my brother remember this, and I recently asked my mom if she did, and she said yes. She does, along with her own experiences that took place afterward. Mom also confirmed that my father had used a Ouija board, and his girlfriend at the time was practicing the occult. To this day, closets still make me extremely uneasy. That is my first, but just one of the many experiences that I've had. Again, Email me, Dave, at theparanormal60.com. We'll be back with more right after this. And welcome back to the program. This is the best in paranormal podcasting. You're tuned in to The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Tonight, the boogeyman. Our guest, M.G. Stevens, shared her stories with us, her very unusual and terrifying encounters with unseen forces. Joining us now for the rest of this segment is a special guest of ours. And our guest joins us to give us some perspective on these beings. And through the art of spellcasting, what we can do to protect ourselves from this kind of evil. 
Kat Eckhart is a celebrity occultist and an eclectic witch. It is a pleasure to have her join us. I know we had her husband, Dan, on at the beginning of the uh, series, and it's good to finally catch up with you, Kat. Thank you for being here. Hi, glad to be here. All right. Before we get started, there's something that came across the newswire today. In 2022, I, I just want to preface that before I play this video. This came out in the news. We got first and last names of six witches that are in our church. And you know what's strange? Three of you are in this room right now. Three of you in the room right now. You better look in my eyeballs. We ain't afraid of you, you stinking witch. You devil-worshiping Satanist witch. We cast you out in the name of Jesus Christ. We break your spells. We break your curse. We got your first name. We got your last name. We even got an address for one of you. Yeah. You so much as cough wrong, and I'll expose you in front of everybody in this tent, you stinking witch. You spell-casting, pharmakia, devil-worshiping mongrel, you. That's some, that's some anger. Wow, he seems a little bit confused. Yeah, just a little bit. But ladies and gentlemen, I happen to know a witch who's here to help put us on the straight and narrow and answer these questions for us. First of all, I want to just address that. It is 2022. We're, we're a quarter of the way or a fifth of the way into the 21st century. Does it shock you that there are still people writhing on the pulpit, shaking their fist at witches of all people? Kind of. It does. I mean, you'd think we would have moved on by now. Um, but there still seems to be this like connection between uh, worshiping Satan or this um, diabolical witches that doesn't actually exist um, and like evil. And it's just it's not really a thing, you guys. Well, let's, I, I think we should say this. We don't want a broad stroke either. There are bad yeah. witches and there are good witches. There are people yes. that are good Christians and bad Christians and good Absolutely. Jews and bad Jews and people that, that, you know, twist and manipulate the religion that they follow to work in their way. And, and, you know, we hear it in the news all the time. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's really disturbing and, and bizarre to me to see, but what a goofball. You could see he was just looking to get somebody fired up. I bet he didn't even have one witch in that audience because what self-respecting witch would go listen to that knucklehead preach? I don't know. My goodness. <laughs> well, let's talk about the boogeyman, that concept of the dark manifestations, things that taunt people. And is there something to this? Do you believe that this is a, a specific form of entity, cat, or are there many different things that fall under this category? Uh, I would lean more towards it being many different things. I mean, there are so many different ways people experience the unknown, and specifically the unknown that is also foreboding, that brings some sort of sense of evil and terror. Um, but we do see trends, as you well know, of it expressing itself in a in like a specific way and also a specific location. So we've heard of like the hat man and other entities. Now these beings, you know, I, I questioned MG. I wanted to know, you know, is this maybe misunderstanding the situation, jumping to the conclusion it's something evil when it presents itself as a dark figure? But obviously this thing was pressing down on her, hissing in her ear, I, I'm curious, though, um, mm. having seen UFOs and having had experiences, this imp-like character that she encountered, do you think there was any chance, Kat, that, that this is uh, alien in nature as opposed to supernatural, wraith-like, or, or mystical, magical creatures? I would tend to think so. I know there is a lot of overlap between experiences with supernatural and experiences with extraterrestrials or aliens. And I wonder um, if at what point we can distinguish between those two categories. I found it fascinating that there are some abductees, alien abductees, who will throw out the name of Jesus Christ during that moment. And these mm -hmm. things 
you know, rear back and take off. Uh, and these are alien, what they think are alien encounters. Um, so again, do you believe that that's the power of intent? Is that in a way spell casting by calling forth something and putting out that intention that you don't belong here, that that's what pushes these things away? Um, and that, again, that's not diminishing Christianity or, or the power of Christ, but I, I just wonder, is it, is that kind of a form of, of spell casting? Yeah. Intent is really important in spell casting. And there are some witches who say that everything we do is a spell, especially our words, but also our thoughts. Well, with that said, uh, there are a lot of people around the world. We just heard MG stories. We heard uh, from two other listeners who wrote in and shared their tales. And there are people that are encountering these dark characters and they don't know what to do or how to take care of them. Now we, we are an open forum here. I want to talk about all different forms. We've talked about religiosity and ways uh, religions have helped banish dark forces or demons, but uh, you know, there's such a huge movement in witchcraft or the Wiccan movement that I was curious, is there spells that, that us, the listeners, the viewers can actually use to protect from these malevolent beings? Absolutely. There are spells and ways of protection that are more occult and more esoteric in just about every tradition, religious or spiritual. Um, I like to use like a multi-approach kind of throwing multiple things at it. And I like to have protections that are always on like talismans um, or wards and other things that I do on the daily or as needed. All right. So if we're dealing with uh, something bothering my children um, now, you know, people watch TV and movies and spells rhyme and they're all, you know, which makes me think of music and the power of music and how all of these, you know, book of shadows, it's always writing whimey stuff that they're using to try to, you know, dispel things or draw things in attraction. Um, do you have a spell that you could give listeners to, to protect themselves? What would you, what would be your advice to me to, to try to ward off evil? So my favorite spell is uh, the Kundalini white light protection kind of spell um, because you can do it anywhere at any time. You don't have to have anything specific on you. And what you do is basically you ground into your breath and visualize a white light starting at the top of your head and you slowly move it down your body, you can do right side to left side or just front or back, and then kind of push it a little bit outside of your body, visualizing this really powerful, protective white light. And you can pair that with a mantra, like um, I'm in control of my own space. And I find that it really helps you to focus on that energy of protection of your own control of your spirit and your body, which nothing can assail when you're protecting yourself like that. And I think it helps really um, take off the focus of that negative force because some negative entities really do feed on your attention and, you know, on your fear, on your absolute fear of it. So there doesn't have to be an incantation necessarily, but just uh, something no. that evokes that. You know, we I, I signed up with this organization, Mind Valley, because uh, they do some really interesting work and in the mind and of course mind valley good title for it uh of ways to actually engage magic and engage our our innate abilities that people don't know how to tap into and i took this weekend long uh program with them and you know at the end they give us this amazing meditation and as we're breathing in he said i want you to imagine whatever color you associate and i thought that was interesting because i've always been told oh gold is this white is that red is this black is that mm -hmm. whatever color you associate with protection and I just had like this beautiful royal purple color. And, and that's what I was thinking. And he's like, as you're breathing it out, think of your, your, you know, your home and just breathe as that breath is going out. You just picture it circling your home and protecting. And now your city as you back up. And boy, he walked you through it almost like a hypnotherapy session. And, and I was doing this. And when I got done, there was just this unbelievable sense of peace in me that that had helped me through that and man i just literally brought me to a whole new level of of consciousness and um 
I guess, centered nature. There was no longer chaotic mind chatter. This thing really brought me through. Meditation is something I'm still trying to get into and understand, but it sure seems that a lot of the witchcraft that I've seen and, and have heard people work with is almost the spoken word and the, the motions and the things that they do seems very hypnotic in nature. Like they are, uh, you know, Christianity. We say these things, the priest says something, we repeat or we have a, a callback. We eat the wafer, we take the wine. There's these these things that are magic, really, right? Because it's we're yeah. accepting that this wafer is is the body of Christ, and we're accepting that this wine is the blood, and we drink of it, eat it to cleanse ourselves. So there's really a lot of that magic that's always been taught, even in the Bible. Yeah, that's the power of ritual. That's the power of doing something over and over again, whether that be an action or words, and they start to know what they serve for. That's kind of like the principle of a talisman, where you kind of do a spell to um, to give something, an object uh, or a symbol, a kind of energy, so that it knows what it's supposed, how it's supposed to serve you over its lifetime. It's interesting because as a paranormal investigator, when I was working with Shane Pittman on the the Holzer files. I told him I like to use one recorder or one tool, and that's always mine. And they had three identical recorders, but we had to put a, a strip of tape on them because I wanted my recorder. I felt as though I was bonding with that piece mm -hmm. of equipment. And the more I bonded with it, the better results I got. If I just treated it like a, you know, a piece of equipment, I didn't seem to get the same response. But when I treated it as almost a part of me, this ritualistic sense, I would get much better results. Yeah. And so the interesting thing there is, is that your belief kind of reinforcing that over time? Or does that object kind of know and work better in that way over time? Well, we know that people that are chaotic and having a bad day, their electronics don't work, right? Their phone shuts down, their computer acts. So there is Worse. some kind of true nature between us and the inanimate objects and electricity and things like that around us. So. It's like kind of reciprocal thing. It's an interesting thing. Um, another good tool is to work with pendulums. Um, it's wonderful for clearing energy, absorbing energy, and then uh, clearing negative energy away from your space. But people don't always have that on hand. What do you just spin it really fast and it like a fan blows away all the bad energy? <laughs> now you're making me think of get it, making it smell like <laughs> a fan. Because I think that would be really a fan with that little spray bottle on it. Oh, yeah. That would work really well. Um, but no, with a, for the pendulum uh, banishing, what you want to do is you hold a pendulum and you ask it to spin counterclockwise and absorb any negative energy in that crystal or whatever that weight is. And then you ask the pendulum to stop and then spin the other way. And once it starts to spin clockwise, you are visualizing releasing all that energy into the universe where it doesn't do any harm in your space. Wow, that's very cool. Yeah, very pendulums cool. are great. I introduced you as an eclectic uh, witch. What is the definition of an eclectic witch? Not sure. eccentric, not electric, but eclectic. What is that? Sometimes those things. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it's someone who pulls from a number of different traditions. And I think eclectic witchcraft is very popular right now. Um, just because we're all swapping and sharing ideas that I think most people believe are basically equally valid. Very cool. Now, I asked you before the show if there was a book you would suggest, and you told me Protection, Reversal Magic, A Witch's Defense Manual by Jason Miller. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about this book and how it came to you. Oh, gosh, it came to me through Dan, through the Internet. Um but what is really cool about this book in particular is that it helps with noticing any bad energies because you don't always have like an actual figure um, assaulting you at night. Um, there are other negative energies that can kind of be hanging around you. And then there are a number of different spells and techniques for getting rid of that energy. And it's really easy to read. It's basically for any tradition in kind of the witchcraft um, area. Mm -hmm. And it also has a lot of really good ideas to help you um, sort of develop your own spells and protection techniques. To empower. Mm -hmm. Very cool. We've got this book in our shop. Go to paranormal60.com. Click 
on the uh, tab there, and you'll be able to find that information. If you want more information on Kat or Dan Eckhart, you can just check out theeckharts.com. Kat, thanks for stopping by tonight and giving us a little insights. Thanks for having me. All right. I appreciate it. Stay safe and give our best to Dan. All right, folks, listen, uh, a few weeks ago, I had Shane Pittman, my, my mystery guest, came on the show, and I, I tasked him with watching the movie Don't Look in the Basement, because, of course, that's where I send Shane all the time, to the basement. He must face the basement. And this time, uh, things changed up a little bit. Shane Pittman actually tasked me with seeing a movie. So what movie did you ask me to see? Well, look, man, I was trying to find a way to pay you back, right? Mm -hmm, Because, you know, it's only fair. So since I knew that you do not like the outdoors at all, you (laughs) don't like anything outdoorsy, what better movie could I task you in watching than Antlers? Now, look, this is weird, right? Antlers. You talk about weird synchronicity. I went to visit the Eckhart's website. And when I'm, you know, getting ready for the show and I'm like, uh, Antlers, Antlers, that movie, I got to watch that movie. And then I see Kat Eckhart in this pose. I'm like, boy, if if she's in the movie, I'm in. This is going to be awesome. (laughs) All right. So what do you think, man? Well, let's uh, let's give the audience a chance to uh, take a look at the Antlers trailer. Once there were three bears that lived in a dark and wet cave up above a small town. Every day, Little Bear went to school, and at night, he would come home and eat dinner. But one day, Little Bear came home And Big Bear and Baby Bear were different. Big Bear got sick. And his insides turned black. Big Bear has become more angrier. And meaner. Because they had no food. No meat. But they had each other. Now, I got to tell you, Shane, you brought me to this movie, and I thought, what hillbilly nightmare did you send me to watch? Hey, it looks a lot better than the trailer that for Don't Look in the Basement, that's for sure. That is right. But I was like, oh, my God, when the biggest star in this movie is Carrie Russell, and I have nothing against Carrie Russell, I was like, this movie totally evaded me. I'd never heard of it. I had no concept of this. And I I watched the trailer, and I, I thought, oh, my, is this a were reindeer? Am I going to see like his at the end is Rudolph's nose going to glow and he's like got blood dripping out of his mouth? I, I did not know what to expect, but I will tell you that uh, with this movie, Antlers, it's a uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro. I know I always butcher that name, uh, is the producer behind this movie. And it was really a dark, creepy, psychological monster movie and took me places I did not expect, Shane. This was a really good movie. I was surprised. So you, it backfired. You wanted to send me to watch something horrible, but it does prove to me why I'm an avid endorsement is because the outdoors is filled with all kinds of psycho stuff that wants to kill you. Uh, but this, this had an interesting aspect to it um, and what it is that they're dealing with. And I, I really don't want to give anything away uh, because they don't in the trailer, but um synchronicity plays interesting as I was putting together this episode and I was talking to the different people, um, things kept lining up like the picture of cat with all the antlers behind her. Uh, and I talked to, um, uh, Tyree Yacinto who helped us in the uh, episode at the conference house mm-hmm. in, uh, um, 
was it New, New, New York, New Jersey, one of those two. Uh, anyway, I talked to her and she gave me this great little quote and things synchronistically have tied in through all of this episode. And then to see this movie, I will tell you this really out of, you know, phantoms, one being it's a junk movie, like, you know, don't look in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Or five. It's like a classic movie like Dracula. Right. Um, I give this movie a solid four stars. Wow. Yeah. That good. Yeah, man. This was a good one. It was, it's dark and it's slow moving and moody. And there's like, all right, I'll say this because I've been harsh on the movie Baba Duke, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which I still hate. I feel like somebody owes me that two hours of my life back. This movie got it right. I know what they were trying to do with Baba Duke, but first of all, when your villain sounds like a 1960s Baba Duke, 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 Duke of Earl, I just, I couldn't get into it. It was so ridiculous this thing was scary in a way i did not expect and watching the transformations and i want to pull up a couple of these images because they're they're really cool uh here's the the antlers posters that we saw in the united states which may be why it came and went right yeah, yeah. because there's nothing telling about that uh and then overseas this definitely gives you a little bit. You see the hand reaching around the door. You see oh, yeah. the kid. There's suddenly a sense of dread and terror because there's a child involved in it. Um, and then to see Carrie Russell screaming made it worth my time right there. <laughs> <laughs> so so let me ask you this real quick, man. Did, did, did it uh, intensify your fear of uh, outdoors stuff or the dislike yes. of the outdoors? Or yes, what? especially because they're talking about a real being, a real um, spiritual energy and entity that is well known in the native community. Yeah, and it's terrifying. And look at this! Look at the special effects. Oh wow! Yeah, this guy. Oh my god! The story, the special effects, the writing, the acting—everything about it is really well done. It's very understated and underplayed, which makes it good. It doesn't feel like it's over the top, campy. You know, like like um, American Werewolf in London is a campy comedy horror movie, right? So you you go along for that ride and expect it's going to be silly and have weird twists and turns. This just—it's like this slow burn that just keeps elevating to tragedy heartache and and terror it is such a well done movie so your 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 attempt to uh destroy me did not work good sir back did, to did the it, basement it, with you did it scare you a little bit though oh it did it is very good movie so very i good. got to be dave a little bit that's and right got to scare you yes so yeah that's good that's no good. doubt uh shane you're working with the searchers um you're doing your stuff and yeah. uh i you know again you filmed a project that'll be out sometime this year we can't give any more information folks it's ndas that we signed making us say that but uh if we could tell you more we certainly would but for the searchers how can people uh keep an eye on what you're doing you can go to searchersbelieve.com uh we post all of our events and stuff there you can also go to official and of course, I try to keep that up to date. And um, yeah, me and you have an event in March. Don't yes, we? sold out event at the Palmer House Hotel here in Minnesota. We're looking forward to getting out and doing that two one day events. We're working on putting together a couple more events that'll be taking place throughout the United States. So keep checking out darknessevents.com as well. Uh, Shane, I, actually, thank you very much for this film recommendation, man. I appreciate it. You're welcome, man. I, it's a job not well done for me, though. I, I yeah. was hoping I was hoping to get you, but I, I want to actually watch it, and I want you to report back to me what you thought of it. Okay, cool. All I'll right, all right. That's it this week, folks. Uh, very strange stuff. Very cool topics, and an interesting conversation had. Monsters, real and imagined, they exist. Tonight was a cautionary example of why one should be very careful when dabbling and opening themselves up to aspects of the paranormal because they sound cool or exciting and seeking like a real life scare should not be the reason that you enter that field. Not knowing what you're doing can cause real danger in your life and the lives of those you care about. Our guest tonight talked about sharing walls and apartments and townhomes because what you're doing in the next room may bleed through into other people, innocent people's lives. She may have been, been affected by the negativity and the darkness that afflicted others. 
Darkness is an opportunist. It seeks weaknesses and attacks, sometimes very aggressively, as we've heard here tonight. But what about those that didn't go kicking over rocks looking for it? Why are they subjected to spiritual ass-kickings? Maybe you become a beacon of light to the creatures that stir in the darkness, sensing your openness that you may or may not even know exists. When you begin to face these perils, get help. Find someone that will believe you. Reach out to your old pal Dave from the Paranormal 60, and I'll do my best to connect you with someone that can help. But please, do not call on these things or underestimate them. I'd like to thank our guests tonight, M.G. Stevens, Kat Eckhart, and as always, Shane Pittman, for their willingness to talk openly about the real-life horrors they endured and ways to combat them, and again, for the laughs that we shared tonight. And thank you all for visiting the Paranormal 60 and allowing me along on your journey. I hope that you stay safe and pay attention, because something may be calling out. How will you answer? Make sure to like this video and podcast, subscribe, and tell everyone you know about it, and we'll see you again next week right here on the Best in Paranormal Podcasting. This is the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. 